Good morning, good afternoon. <laughs> and let's stand together uh, and Psalms 25, unto you, O Lord, do I bring my life. Oh my God, I trust, I lean on, I rely on, and am confident in you. Let me not be put to shame. Let us not be disappointed. Let not our enemy triumph over us. Yes, let none who trust in wait hopefully and look for you be put to shame or be disappointed. Let them be ashamed who forsake their right or who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and faithfulness and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you. For it's for you that I wait expectantly all day long. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they have been ever from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your mercy and steadfast love, remember me. For your own goodness sake, O oh Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will I instruct sinners in his way. He leads the humble in what is right, and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and steadfast love. Even truth and faithfulness are they for they who keep his covenant and his testimony. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity and my guilt, for they are great. Who is the man who reverently fears and worships the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he should choose. He himself shall dwell at ease, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The secret of the Lord have they who fear him, and he will show them his covenant and reveal to them its meaning. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck me out of the net. Lord, turn to me and be gracious to me. I've been alone, I've been afflicted. The troubles of my heart have been multiplied. Bring us out of any distress. Behold our afflictions and the pains. Forgive all of our sins. Consider my enemies. They've abounded, the ones who hated me with a cruel hatred. But you're my keep, O oh Lord. You're my deliverer. Where you're leading us, we will never be ashamed, nor will we be disappointed. For our trust is in the Lord. And we say you're our refuge. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. For I wait on you and I expect you. You're the redeemer of Israel. And you redeem us out of all of our trouble. Oh, we bless you, Lord. Bless the Lord on my soul and all that's within me. Bless the name of the Lord. 
it's you who leads me not by my hand and not by my power not by my charismatic ways not by anything but you oh lord my keeper the lover of my soul my keeper Dirt of this world and come. 
It's a pretty special day today. Yeah, yeah, very, very special day today. Um, a day of a of real crossing back into the land of promise. 
a day when the the exile the exiles are returned back to the land. It's marked out in the Lord's history when the tide has been turned. Um, I'm going to read this because this is where the Lord is briefing me. is in um, Joel chapter 3. Listen to Joel 3. Um, for a look. In those days and at that time, I will return the exiles to Judah and Jerusalem. I'm going to gather all the nations. I'm going to bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. I will enter into judgment against those there concerning my people Israel, who are my inheritance, whom they've scattered among the nations. And then I don't know, like, because I need to say there's a, um, we know that there's been a return back to the land in 1948 of Israel proper, right? We, we know that. We've seen that, observed that. This is the 75th year of Israel proper. And that we know that in the valley of Jehoshaphat, a day is coming in the second coming of the Lord, right? Because this may be going on in your mind like it's going on in mine. But Carol, you're prophesying of something that is forthcoming. And in the uh, in the prophetic, there is the already and the not yet. And there is a already. Um, there is an already that is happening, like. Mark the word of the Lord for today, uh, even concerning um, this particular, particular nation, a, a return of the, um, of the exiles, the remnant, the remnant that is scattered throughout the land of, um, of, of this nation. And, um, you know, I can't prophesy necessarily of every nation. This may be a prophetic word over uh, the seven continents. I want to be careful about that. But in regards to the nation, that there's a return um, of the, uh, what talks about in Jeremiah, the Gentiles or the uh, uh, coming in in the end of the age, uh, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And those of us who have been in, that are in, that are of the remnant, not the two thirds of us that were cut off, but the third that remain, now Zechariah 13, that third that are the Lord's, that you are the Lord's, who He has come into and um, made His abode with, and um, has um, placed Himself inside of is now interested, uh, apparently, in not just returning to us with his nature, but returning us to the land 
the land of the Abrahamic covenant, the land and the sea. And that the Lord is making this, uh, this return even before um, he literally comes back uh, to Jerusalem. And, uh, and so today marks a day like that. Um, I'm going to enter into judgment against them there concerning my people Israel, who are my inheritance, whom they've scattered among the nations. They partitioned my land, and they cast lots for my people, and they traded a boy for a prostitute, and they sold a little girl for wine so they could drink. And he says, why are you doing these things to me, Tyre and Sidon? Are you trying to get even with me, land of Philistia? I'm going to very quickly repay you for what you have done. For you took my silver and my gold and you brought my precious valuables to your own palaces. You sold the Judeans and the Jerusalemites to the Greeks and you removed them from their own country. Look, I'm rousing them from that place to which you sold them. And I will repay you for what you have done. I will sell your sons and daughters to the people of Judah. And they will sell them to the Sabaeans, a nation far away. Indeed, the Lord has spoken. So proclaim this to the nations. Oh, there you go. Prepare for a holy war. Call out the warriors. Let all these fighting men approach and attack. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I too am a warrior. Lend your aid and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourself to that place. Bring down, O Lord, your warriors. Let the nations be roused and let them go up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit in judgment on the surrounding nations. Rush forth with the sickle. For the harvest is ripe. Come, stop the grapes, for the wine press is full and the vats overflow. Indeed, their evil is great. Crowds, great crowds are in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon is darkened. The stars withhold the brightness. The Lord roars from Zion. And from Jerusalem, his voice bellows out. The heavens and the earth shake, but the Lord is the refuge for his people. He is the stronghold for the citizens of Israel. You will be convinced that I, the Lord, am your God, dwelling on Zion, my holy mountain. Jerusalem will be holy. Conquering armies will no longer pass through it. 
On that day, the mountains will drip with sweet wine and the hills will flow with milk. And all the dry stream beds of Judah will flow with water. A spring will flow out from the temple of the Lord, watering the valley of acacia trees. Egypt will become desolate and Edom will be a desolate wilderness because of the violence they did to the people of Judah in whose land they shed innocent blood. But Judah will reside securely forever and Jerusalem will be secure from one generation to the next. I will avenge their blood which I had not previously acquitted. It is the Lord who dwells in Zion. I'm going to ask um, uh, Melinda if you'll come up with me and give that vision that you saw last week. Uh, would you do that? Of the uh, throne. Uh, Melinda called me this week uh, early in the morning, or well, about midday, and, and shared with me the vision from last week, which I had not heard the first part of it. And I think it's, the Holy Spirit's telling me it's very poignant for today. Uh, especially as it was last week of what she saw, but I'm going to you know, ask you to describe what you saw because it matches with today and I want us to hear it again. Um, so I was caught up into the heavens, and when I was caught up, I was face down, and I saw the earth just full of people, like on the streets, walking everywhere, people walking everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And I could see the tormentor on top of their head, like the spirit that had tried to torment them and tried to um, bring them down. And then I was like pulled up further into heaven and I was beside this throne. And I was a little bit shocked because the throne, I couldn't see any rainbow and lightnings and you know, the creatures weren't flowing around it. And I was like, what throne am I at? And I looked out straight out, like, like I'm the thrones over here and I'm standing over here and I look out and I see armies and armies and armies and armies of angels. As far as I could see, as wide as I could see and farther were just angels lined up waiting for the command um, from this throne. And I saw the Lord on the throne and he stood up and he said, the earth has a vacuum of my love. And it was as if I heard his heart say that we had pulled away from the world. His, his children had pulled away from the world and, and that caused there to be a vacuum of his love. And he was ready to change that. And so he, he, he stepped out and he said, I call the pre-harvest angels. And it was like, I saw 
this like rows and rows of these angels and they had these huge nets, like butterfly nets. That's all I can describe them that. And, and so the angels stepped out and they were like, shoom, shoom, and they just came marching right up to the throne with their butterfly nets. And the butterfly nets were like humongous, like big round nets, big, long, you know, down to a point. And each one of them, one by one, came up to the father. And the father was like, and he blew in each net. And when he blew in each net, it was like um, lights and flying little beautiful lights just flying filled each butterfly net each butterfly net and it was the father's love and then he told these angels he said go go into the world and I watched them and they just started shooting out like comets like white things with long tails holding their nets and they began to pour out all these things that God all the love that God had put in their nets all over mankind and it was the most glorious thing all the spirits on top of people's head it was like they lost their ability to to stand and to have that stronghold it was like love just filled the earth it filled the earth and they were be able to have a time to be able to feel God's love experience God's love and know God's love and you know love is going to be the at the core of the biggest revival we've ever known. It's going to be love. And so I just watched them go throughout all the earth doing this, doing this, doing this. And then we were told to go, go, go into your world, go into the world where you live. Give his love, give his love, give his love. And then it was like, kind of like that, a curtain closed kind of on that. And and then um, I just was kind of looking at him like, is it done, you know? And I saw him whistle um, for what he called enlarging angels. And I was like, this is super cool. And these angels came and he told them to come into our body right here and enlarge our hearts to cause there to be a greater capacity for the Father's love. So I saw the angels come to everyone that wanted it. And and they just, it was like they went like this. Like that. And it was like this huge space, like bigger than ourselves, just opened up and as I looked at each of us it was like this beautiful garden like plush green fruits and vegetables and beautiful flowers and the fragrances and it was just amazing that that is what's in our hearts and then I looked and I was like in the middle of every one of our hearts was this huge tree big 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 tree bigger than I could like follow it up and um and it was like he said, now go, go. He said it to us, go, go. You're full of my love. You're full of my love. Go, go, go. And it was like this assurance and this knowing that we are Papa's love. We are it. We are it. We are the only love. We're the only people in the earth are the only ones that can show his love. And um, afterwards, I was like, um, when I got home, I was asked Steve, I was like, it's really weird because it was a different throne. I've gone to the throne room a lot, but I didn't know where this one was. Um, and then I was wondering about the tree and Steve gave me the verse um, in Psalms where it said, um, the righteous man shall be like a tree planted by the wa- living waters and whatever he does shall prosper. This love that God put in us is going to prosper. 
going to prosper. It's going to go where it's sent and accomplish amazing things. And I was also reminded while I was in the vision of Song of Solomon, remember where um, he, he looks at the bride and he's like, you're a garden, but you're, lo you're locked up. You're this fountain. And he comes to her. She's like, oh, come, come. And he starts blowing the north and the south winds. And when he blows in her, it enlarges her. And then he comes in and he eats of the fragrance. He eats of the fruit of her heart, the fruit of her garden. And then he said, now your garden, your fragrance can flow out and, and touch others. And others will come and eat of my love.
Isaiah 40, verse 21, do you not know? And do you not hear? Has it not been told to you since the very beginning? Have you not understood from the time the earth's foundations were made? I am the one who sits on the earth's horizon. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers before me. I am the one that stretches out the sky like a thin curtain. I spread it out like a pitch tent. And I am the one who reduces rulers to nothing. And I make the earth's leaders insignificant. I say indeed they're barely planted and yes they're barely sown and yes barely they've taken root in the earth I will blow on them and I will cause them to dry up like the wind that carries away like straw To whom can you compare me? And to whom do I resemble, says the Holy One. Look up to the sky who created all these heavenly lights. I am the one who leads out their rings. I am the one who calls them by name. Because of his absolute power and awesome strength, none of, not one of them is missing. Why do you say Jacob? And why do you say Israel? The Lord is not aware of what is happening to me. My God is not concerned with my vindication. Do you not know? And have you not heard? I am the Lord, the eternal God. I am the creator of the whole earth. And I do not get tired or get weary. And there's no limit to my wisdom. I'm giving strength to you now. Even though you've been tired, and even though you've lacked power, I give you the renewal of energy. And even if you've got tired and weary, and even as the strong men have clumsily, clumsily stumbled, but those who wait on the Lord, I wait on you, Lord. Oh. 
Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Rise up in the Lord, honing those wings.
there's a war in heaven right now.
Daniel chapter 7, verse 10, a river of fire was streaming forth and proceeding from his presence. Many thousands were ministering to him, and many tens of thousands stood ready to serve him. The court convened and the books were open. And I kept on watching because of the arrogant words of the horn that was speaking. I was watching until the beast was killed and his body destroyed and thrown into the flaming fire. And as for the rest of the beasts, their ruling authority had already been removed. Though they were permitted to go on living for some time and a season, I was watching in the night visions and with the clouds of the sky, one like the Son of Man was approaching. He went up to the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. To him was given ruling authority and honor and sovereignty. And all the peoples and nations and language groups were serving him. His authority is eternal. His authority is eternal. His authority is eternal. I proclaim your authority is eternal. I proclaim you as the sovereign one rightly approved from the Father. I claim you as sovereign king and sovereign right. I proclaim you as sovereign heir. That by your blood you have purchased every tribe and every nation. Yes, Lord. Your authority is eternal and it will not pass away. And your kingdom will not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was distressed. These visions of my mind were alarming me. And I approached one of those standing nearby and I asked him, hey, what is the meaning of all of this? And he spoke with me and he revealed to me the interpretation of the vision. These large beasts, which are four in number, they represent four kings who will rise from the earth. The holy ones of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will take possession of the kingdom forever and ever. That's what's happening. That's what's happening right now. This has been the war. Put your hands up. 
for the receiving of the kingdom of God. It's been contested. Yes. It's been contested, but it's been paid for by the blood. expert excerpts from Isaiah 66. This is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? Or where will my place of repose be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. Down to verse seven. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before she was in pain, she delivered a boy. Who has heard of such as this? Who has seen such things? Can a country be born in a day, or a nation be delivered in an instant? Yet as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Verse 12, for this is what the Lord says, I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flowing stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and bounced upon her knees. As a mother comforts her son, so will I comfort you, and you will be consoled over Jerusalem. When you see, you will rejoice, and you will flourish like grass. Then the hand, the manus, of the Lord will be revealed to his servants, but his wrath will be shown to his enemies. For behold, the Lord will come with fire. His chariots are like a whirlwind to execute his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will execute judgment on all flesh and many will be slain by the Lord. Those who consecrate and set themselves apart for unholy things will perish together, declares the Lord. 
And I, knowing their deeds and thoughts, am coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they will come and see my glory. I will establish a sign among them, and I will send survivors from them among the nations, to Tarshish, Put, and the Arches of Lud, to Tubal, Javan, and the islands who, far away, who have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. So they will proclaim my glory among the nations, and they will bring all your brothers from all the nations as a gift to the Lord on horses and chariots and wagons, on mules and camels to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the Israelites bring an offering and a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. And I will select some of them as priests and Levites, says the Lord. For just as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so your descendants and your name will endure. From one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come to worship before me. All mankind will come to worship before me, says the Lord. As they go forth, they will see the corpses of the men and women who have rebelled against me. For the worms will, that eat them will never die, the fire that devours them will never be quenched, and they will be a horror to all mankind. All will worship the Lord. transition to this event over because uh, the Lord's like, I want you to lay out a context. And so we're going to do that now. That was intense, wasn't it? <laughs> you can feel that, right? Yeah, the Lord, he's like you, uh, I want you to lay a context. And so I'm going to lay a context on today's event and what actually is happening in this event. As it relates to the word of the Lord that's been coming to me about what would happen today, and obviously or honestly, you never expect, you know, the atmosphere to adjust itself or be the way that it is, but it, it literally does match with um, what is happening today. Um, in, the series that, in the series that we're in, uh, Desolator of the Apostate, the Lord had outlined Last week, what would happen is uh, I titled it, which was X2M 135 uh, proscription. Proscription is a word that is used for to declare a ban or an edict. And so when we're in Zechariah chapter 5, when he's releasing the flying scroll and it's going out through all the land, it's an edict basically with a blessing sanction and a curse sanction saying that if you don't come into alignment with the covenant, there's a sanction being uh, delivered that is both a curse but also a blessing because in the testimony of covenant we have, within that testimony, we have both uh, of those sanctions going on. And so a uh, proscription, meaning that a ban is being declared, or another way to think of it would be that the Lord is releasing a eviction notice on the powers of darkness that have occupied places in seats within, uh, on a global scale. 
Yeah, and I don't really think those rascals really like uh, what's happening in this event, right? <laughs> Meaning that's because today's like uh, last week, you'll provide an edict declaring throughout the land, throughout the nations, that I am not going to have this covenant breaking anymore because the people of the covenant are rising into the positions uh, to sit in those places that Ephesians uh, speaks to us about. So good. And then, so today, X2M 136 is called purge, the purge, uh, or purgation. So a proscription goes out, God declaring an edict, a ban. Get off the seat. You have no more right to govern this way. The Lord installing his own, his government, his people into position. And so if you, I'm sure you can feel the wall we come up against, right? I mean, I hit something this morning. We're not, I mean, we've been accustomed, I think, to pushing through barriers and obstacles. I'm really big into that. Let's go break through the obstacle. Let's get through it, uh, especially in this house. And we're up against it. And I said to the Lord, I said, well, what do you say? He's like, well, give a context, a context for actually what is happening in this particular event. Um, a paper that came out some time ago is called Michael Melchizedek and the War in Heaven. It relates to um, Revelation 12. And, and it gets back to what Pete is saying out of um, Isaiah 66, that one day, you know, a man-child would be born uh, prefiguring literally prefiguring the Lord, but also that a man-child, I believe, a company that would come forth in the end time and that they would stand and contest in partnership with Michael, who is of this war department of the, the angelic host. So they would contest the, the atmosphere of, of the heavens, like it says in Revelation 12, and would co go up to God into his throne, the man-child, and then when seated there would be, begin to operate with Michael the archangel for the casting down of uh, Lucifer or, uh, or Satan, that great deceiver, and that he would be removed from his position in the heavens, in the second heavens. And because our enemy, our arch enemy, or the arch nem nemesis is being removed out of his position, then every governing faction that is under him has to be vacate their uh, position as well because he is uh, in charge of them. And so they, they all are being cast down out of the second heavens into the uh, first heavens. You know, it, it says that he will come down, he will persecute, uh, persecute the woman and her seed and, uh, because he knows his time is short. And it says like this, uh, rushing water will come out of him and it will try to take out the offspring of the Lord. Man, I tell you, this is something today. It's like, you're not going to say this, you're not going to do this, and I'm, I'm going to you, I'm going to do what the Lord says here. Man, let's just pray together. You know, just... This must be one of the most hotly contested issues, Lord. And we do, we plead, we plead your blood over 
this entire event, this um, everything that is being said and done, even from this stage on, of human history. And we ask you for your help, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. We need, we need your help. We know that we can do nothing without you, Lord. And we are completely dependent upon you, Lord. Lord's telling me right now, he says, you're dealing with probably the, the hottest ticket or hottest button item that there is. I, and I don't even know what that means. Y'all know what that means? A hot ticket or a hot button item? What does that mean? It's something everybody wants. He said this is the hottest ticket, hottest button item going right now. I play on what, Steve? A hot ticket. Okay, everybody wants the ticket. It's like it, it, he's telling me it's a global hot ticket item. It's it's the it's the thing that every apparently all of humanity. So I just speak straight from him. All of humanity has pined for, longed for. And it's, he's just talking to me, so I'm just going to try to say what he said. He said, saying something to me like this, it's the thing that sapped the Edenic uh, vision. That's what, what he said. The vision of um, being fruitful and multiplying and re, uh, um, uh, expanding the earth. It's, it's, the very, it's the very issue at the core. Um, that uh, the deceiver, de the deceiver has deceived. That's the issue. That's that's the issue. The issue of all of of men. The issue is right now. It's it's the issue. This is the issue. This is the con this is the contest. This is the this is the thing that's been contested. This is the ticket, the hot ticket that's been wanted. This is the one that the enemy wanted and and got from Adam. That's what we're up against. So last week, uh, Job 38.8 comes out, and I, I realize, let's just, get, let's just jump to Job 38, and I think this will, I can tie this together now. Is it, I can see clearly now that the R-E-I-G-N has come. <laughs> you know, all the obstacles out of the way, okay. <laughs> Yes, Steve, the authority Adam had that he uh, gave away, that he gave up. That's what we're dealing with right now. And that's it. Yeah. Yes. Interestingly enough, the number 134 of, of our event series was called Procreator. 
And, and the thing is, is about in, in regards to covenant, in particular the Adamic covenant, Noahic covenant, even the Abrahamic covenant, it was, that was in the Abrahamic covenant. The, the major feature of the covenant is that God would grant Abraham and Sarah uh, seed and land. And so, um, yes, everything that is anti-covenant basically is anti-procreation. Uh, it's everything that's anti-covenant is anti-procreation, anti-land, the anti-restoration of land or property rights. And so, um, yes, we're dealing with that. And so, you know, last week when we look at being in this facility at Job 38, 6, and 7, and... Uh, I was up up here, and uh, Melinda was sharing and things, and the words like, look at Job 38.8, because um, I have worked uh, even within this house to lay in a foundation where the uh, sons of God would come together and the morning stars uh, sing together. And then he says, and and when you look at 38.8, he says, I will cause this. uh, I'm the one who holds back the sea doors and cause them to gush forth. Now, I... try to handle this the way this happens this week because as I attempt to tell a story but uh, when we left uh, Sunday last week and I, I got home and the Lord he s- spoke to me and he says you know I am intruding into the common affairs or the common grace structure of, of the world system with the special grace of and intruding um, into now into time and into time and space uh, to move upon the hearts of men, I'm intruding into the to the affairs to set everything back right. And I wanted to, what I wanted to do this morning. I, you know, I've got my notes all this this ready. And normally, I don't always have my notes ready, but it's like I want to lay out for you this understanding of how God intrudes into, has intruded into uh, our life, and then and begin to try to explain what happened this week and how this relates today. And so if you take notes, we don't do this normally, but if you do take notes, I'm going to give you like seven aspects of the way God intrudes um, uh, into our life. And I think that this will be really meaningful for you. I hope, hopefully that you can see and perceive how the Lord has intruded into your life. And then I'm going to bring this to a point uh, in the seventh point, and then we're going to expand out from there. And so the first way when uh, the Lord begins to come near us is he, what he does is he does it by way of invitation. And so the Lord is not an imposer. He's not a manipulator. And because he's a, the king, he, and because he will not manipulate and he will not impose, he invites. And, uh, and when, you were, when you were saved, when I was, it, I don't know how it was for you, but I believe it probably was this way. I had a very much awareness of my sin, um, this conviction came over me. It wasn't um, necessarily that someone else was causing the conviction. I had to come to the end of myself. I was uh, beginning to be fed up with the lifestyle that I was in and the way I saw it going. And I feel this like pressure come over me. Um, you know, and I remember saying to the Lord, I was laying on the floor of my parents' house. I remember just laid out on the floor and I said, you know what? I'm tired of doing my life my way. And if I, I'm going to just give you myself. God made an invitation into my life. He didn't force his way in on me, but by conviction of the Holy Spirit, he began to move in. Because the Lord always works like this. He works by way of invitation. Um, And I think you can see this, that you've been marked by this as a believer because 
Um, the Lord is not going to force you to do anything. He won't make you. It's a, he's, he's a good father like that. It, it also can be the very thing that's a little bit scary because when you realize that the Lord might not even tell you something, he might not say something to you. He may uh, withhold information because he always works by invitation. I remember um, when we were downtown at YMI, Steve coming up and he said to me, he said, you know, um, Carol, and I think I brought you up, I think that day, but the people have to want him and, and have to say, I'll let you have me. You know, huge importance that when we're dealing with an uncreated God, that we are not, that he, because he won't impose himself and because he's not a manipulator, that we, we have to ask him. We have to partner with him. And we think sometimes God in his sovereignty is going to get done what God's going to get done. And the Lord is going to get done what he wants. But in partnership, you want, in this part, you want to walk in invitation. And so um, that happened to us. Number two, initiation. Um, sometime after that, after the uh, cooling off period, some people call it, or, you know, because you got really hot for the Lord, didn't you? we all do. We're, we're sort of wild and radical. The initiation comes because the Lord is going to initiate you into your journey. And I think, and, and generally speaking, your initiation is marked by some experience of usually it's the dove, the Holy Spirit. He comes to us and he feels us. He moves on us in some way, and then we, we move out of that invitation. Now we've been initiated. Um, a lot of people, you know, have thought that the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit was like, this is my end goal. This is my thing. Well, you know what? You just got initiated. <laughs> you got initiated into the journey. That's not the, the end thing of, you know, the church was setting a whole entire thing on uh, the Holy Spirit's infilling and, and, and filling us. And we put so much emphasis on that. And that was just like step number two. And, I mean, in this, what I'm sharing with you today, I've been invited, justified. Now I've been initiated by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm beginning to um, see uh, things. I'm having revelatory experiences. I'm, um, I'm able to operate in spiritual gifts. I never uh, I wasn't into any of that before. Now you've been initiated. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Joseph Campbell. Do you know Joseph Campbell? Uh, he wrote a book, A Hero with a Thousand Faces. Um, Joseph Campbell, what he did is he studied Christia Christianity and he studied myth and he found what's called the seven, he, he put this together, the 17 stage monomyth. And in the 17 stage monomyth, he tells um, and lays out the journey of a hero that he had picked up out of literature and out of, even out of scripture. And he found these 17 processes or steps that human beings go through in uh, human development. And in, in his way, and you know, you can look at that, you can look at that online. It's really profound. The Lord brought it to me a number of years ago to begin trying to help me to understand that when he invited us and then initiated us, he initiated you into a road of trials. <laughs> and that's, that's what, that's what um, Joseph Campbell says. 
if you're not familiar with Joseph Campbell, you possibly would be familiar with George Lucas. How many of you are familiar with him? Uh, Star Wars, the guy that wrote Star Wars, he was friends with Joseph Campbell and he used, he used uh, Joseph Campbell's monomyth and his hero with a thousand faces to build the uh, Jedi Knight. And the reason why I think that, that that film series has been so popular to so many people is because it resonates so deeply into the way that we're made. Because in the Jedi Knight, is the epitomization of uh, a contemplative warrior, a uh, priest king. Um, going around to, you know, to save the land and, and to defend off the enemy. And so, but in Campbell, he, when he puts this together, he's had put this thing about being initiated. The initiation for like, let's say our Lord. Remember when he was at the uh, Jordan and he meets uh, John, the baptizer, and what comes down? A dove. And, and what voice is heard in the heavens saying what? And whom I'm well pleased. Uh, Jesus is initiated. What immediately happens to Jesus after his initiation? Uh, driven. <laughs> driven into what? By the spirit into how many days? 40 days to primarily deal with three things that I brought out a couple weeks here, a week ago, to deal with the dark triad, the dark triad that he does not have because he's, he's a man yet without sin, but to deal with it on behalf of us. Um, he's gonna deal with that, what we're looking at and you can lay out that, uh, you can lay out the, the issues and you can find the three temptations of Christ will directly relate to that dark triad relating to psychopathy, narcissism, and uh, Machiavellianism. Jesus is going to be dealt with because Israel, you know, had spent how many years in the wilderness? 40 years. They have been initiated, invited out of Egypt, initiated across the Red Sea and brought into a land to be developed through that initiation, through a road of trials. They too could have spent 40 days like the Lord. But as you know, the story, it was 40 years. And the reason why I know a little bit about this is because the Lord had me go and backtrack my own storyline. And I'll tell you, it took 4,089 days, almost 11 years for uh, this guy here to get through <laughs> this initiation uh, into what is the next one here is designation. Uh, Jesus' ministry, and, and the reason why I'm bringing this out today, I ho hopefully, is because the Lord's like, I want you to give them a structure of what's going on in their life, and, and hopefully you can pick up in this and you can see, maybe you can find yourself in it. Because uh, so much of this is not shared, and the Lord's like, I. And it took me a long time of mining all this so that I could bring this out properly. And so, and so uh, then comes a, a, uh, the designation. Uh, Jesus' designation, um, I believe, if I've, if I've got this correct, it happens at the cross. You're a king of the Jews. 
you know, they're designating him. They're saying, that's the guy right there. His, and, and his designation was his coronation. Jesus was coronated at Calvary. And so after he goes through his uh, public ministry, uh, then he, he's going to come into a designation. And, I, you know, I tell you, when you walk with the Lord and you've been down the road of trials and the outcome of that is you're going to the cross. <laughs> I think that that's what's been so hard for so many of the remnant. That the cross became the path, you know, became the path and we had thought that it was going to be something uh, way more fantastic than it ended up being. <laughs> It's better to tell you the truth, isn't it? With love. <laughs> but if, if our master went that way, our, the one who loves us, if he went that path, then Jesus had laid out the path of all of humanity in his life. He had laid out our path. And if we could look at the structure of Jesus's life and sort of pull back, which is something I enjoy doing, you know, is analyzing the path and looking at it and picking up the divine points of a, of, of, of process uh, that he goes through a, uh, a designation. The next stage here is uh, probation. Now I want to talk about this in, re in relationship uh, to Adam and Eve, because when they had, when they were in the garden, they basically were in a probationary period. And in the probation, they were given a, uh, they were basically given an outline of, of the covenant and they were given a prohibition. It was said that you are prohibited from what? Eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? And they weren't allowed to eat from that tree. And, and, and what was happening there with the Lord was he was saying, you can have everything else, but that one thing you can't have, you cannot, you can't eat from that. You can look at it, but you can't eat from it from, because in the day that you do what? You will surely die. Um, you ever like told your child you can't have that? And that's the very thing they'll want. It's like, it's in, it's in, the, it's in the nature. It's the well, why can't I have that? And I believe that what God, and I, I remember reading this from Dwight Pentecost years ago. Uh, he, he said that God was testing um, the loyalty and that the, the faithful loyalty of Adam and Eve to see if they would believe what he says and they would be loyal to his covenant by placing in their life something that they could not have. You can have everything else, but you can't have that. And that in that way, and this is, this is massive importance, in that way, that very thing that they could not have, the very thing that was prohibited was to test them, to see, will you be faithful to the covenant? Or will you work an angle around what I'm saying? Now listen, now hear me out, because do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's possible that you could be invited Initiated, designated, but still have limitation by the Lord. Prohibited, probation. 
that God has in some way, even, even though he's uh, given you this right and said this is who you are, he's put a stipulation on you. He's put you into a, uh, some kind of situation, that, a situation to keep you from, to test your loyalty. See, will you do what I tell you to? It may be just good and fine for someone else, but it's something you can't do. Something that he's saying that, and I, it's some way in which he is maintaining the humility of your character. I think we find this a lot in, in uh, marriage. <laughs> you know, submit yourselves one to another as unto the Lord. Wives, submit to your husband as unto the Lord. Husbands, lay your life down for your wife as Christ did for the church and give yourself for her. The lady's like, well, I know better than him. <laughs> How dare you say, right? You know, the issue is an issue of authority. And because God had set authority with even within the garden, he had placed authority there and he had put in something. That's, you can't do that. There'd be a recognition of what godly authority is. And in that authority, the family uh, thrives and is developed and grows in that humility. Um, I think so many believers have come really far with the Lord. They've come through the initiation, the invitation, initiation, uh, even designation, amazing callings, giftings. And then the Lord's like, now let's deal with this pro <laughs> probationary period, right? You've got to pass probation. And Adam and Eve failed it. They failed probation. And because they did, there cannot be a furthering of the kingdom. They, they were actually locked out from the garden. Flaming cherubs uh, placed at the eastern side. They couldn't uh, go back home. Why? Because of the failure, the failure to obey that stipulation of probation. But there's good news. Yay! Because if you've been tested and you've been tried and you've been found faithful, <laughs> there's a conferral. Nice. Like it's, it's God's idea to confer on you. He wants to confer on you the kingdom, confer on you the blessings of the kingdom. You know, he says that in Luke's gospel. He says, hey, little flock, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Take what you have and give it to the poor. I want to open up the kingdom realm to you. It's my pleasure to give it to you. I love to give you the kingdom. And so, well, I don't really care about that. Yes, uh, you know, I used to not care about it because I was sort of like, no, I'm gonna go get my, do my own kingdom. <laughs> you know, that didn't work very well. Uh, just by the way, uh, trying to be the, the guy for your own kingdom. But it's the fa your father's pleasure, his desire and longing is to, uh, to bless you with the kingdom. I mean real, real things. I don't mean just character. I mean, that's the, yes, he gives you character, but I mean seed and land. I mean real seed and real land. The covenant would be restored back. Uh, this is what the contest, the contest has been about. You pass probation. 
It's the Father's desire to confer on you the kingdom. And because the Lord, because the Lord, and he's so good, and, and, and so uh, this is happening in this ministry. I'm watching it. The Lord's like, uh, we go through, uh, you know, seven weeks of conferral. We, we went through 62 weeks of uh, probation. Uh, downtown, why am I? And the Lord's like, you pass the 62 weeks of probation. You're going to go through seven weeks of conferral. And I end up being dispatched, um, Pete Lineker gets this word and get dispatched down to, um, it's the wildest thing. You're going to York, Pennsylvania. And I was like, why York? You know, because the Lord said, no, I want to do something in, uh, with you in York, Pennsylvania. And uh, Tom McManus, and I believe it was Donnie and, uh, my wife and our kids went up there to York and, and the Lord's like, I'm going to deal with something at the root of this entire nation. And I said, well, shouldn't we be going to Philadelphia? You know, I've not heard of anybody going to York. And I get into York and um, I have been carrying, and I've told this story a little bit, but I've been carrying a ring uh, that appeared on my Bible, literally out of nowhere, the, the actual Lord of the Rings ring, the, the, the one that says the one to rule them all, the one the little hobbits were carrying around. Uh, one night in the middle of the, it was like 11 o'clock at night, first time for me watching Lord of the Rings all the way through. And I had Haggai 2 open. It says, Rubable, I'll make you my signet ring. I look up to watch the first part of the trilogy when they describe the ring. I look back down, that ring is laying on my Bible. For 10 years, I carried that ring. Well, I mean, it was in the house and stuff. I didn't literally carry it. But I mean, that ring, I mean, it had the Elvish language in it and everything. And that was a burden to carry because, you know, the problem with that ring is the grasping of power. And uh, so I, that ring for 10 years, when we were in the conferral period of this ministry, the Lord said, I'm going to confer the kingdom onto this house, this house. I'm going to confer the, this kingdom on this house. Go to York, Pennsylvania, a complex prophetic word with Pete Lineker. Go up there. And, uh, and, and Tom McManus and Donnie and I, my family go up there. We get outside of Hershey, Pennsylvania, asking the Lord, what's, what's this about? And I'm just going to say this because I, and you can look this up, but I find out that York is sort of contested, is the, was the original place or the original uh, capital of the United States of America. And it, it was because of a, a contested document, I believe it was, between the Declaration of the Continental Congress and the Declaration of Independence being signed, and that somehow, and this is the way our enemy works, I had discovered this, there had been sort of like a collusion uh, or a cover-up on that document uh, related to the original point of where the enemy bought our nation off. And between the reds and the blues, the red coats and uh, our guys wearing the blue uniform. And I'm in there in York and he said, you know, I want to, I want this to end. And so we go on this thing and um, ended up throwing that ring into an old furnace that was used to build like Civil War cannonballs. And it was a fascinating experience. Like get rid of the ring of power I'm going to deal with, with this and then sometime later uh, down to Savannah, Georgia to one Solomon, one Solomon Lodge, the uh, Freemason Lodge down there. 
And uh, I know Jeff and I was talking about this during that time and find out. And it, it was kind of hid that that was actually not in, where was, was I in Savannah? Yes, that Charleston, Charleston has a lodge and they say that that lodge is the first one in the United States. But it ended up being that the first lodge was the one in Savannah. And the Lord's like, I'm going to deal with this too. Go, go to Savannah. I was like, why? Go to Savannah because I'm going to deal with at the root of this nation where the problem started, where man made an agreement with the enemy to give up the entire nation. And I'm going to deal with it at its root. And I, I remember so clearly because... Um, I was driving back up the uh, island, coming back into Savannah to deal with this one Solomon Freemason Lodge forever and say, let this thing be done with. And, um, and Kara and I, we're, again, we're out of finances. We don't know how we're going to operate because we're just by the seat of our pants. Everything's like that. And uh, someone sends uh, $1,600 uh, right there when I'm crossing back through uh, to end this thing for good, end this conferral. And... The Lord said, you know what that means? And I said, what? He says, 1600 Pennsylvania. You know where that's at? He said, I'm dealing with it. I'm, I'm dealing with it. <laughs> I'm going to put an end to this. And man, after going to York on the original document there and then down in Savannah on the other original document, when our forebears, our forefathers had uh, made decisions that handed the rights of our nation over to our enemy. And the Lord said, it's over. I'm going to deal with this now. And so we come out of conferral of the word for seven weeks. It, that whole process goes on. We come up to the 70th week. Of, of our ministry. Today, again, is X2M 136. So it kind of tells you that was X2M 70. There's a lot of things that have happened since then, right, Stephen? <laughs> and so we, are, we go through what next is called, and what happens is called a confirmation period. And this is when uh, our ministry begins to receive the internal infrastructure of the way the soul is developed for God to come and rest with us, in us. It's a profound storyline. I mean, I mean, uncanny. But from that 71st week all the way up until the 110th week, we'll end up receiving for 40 weeks this complex understanding of the human soul and the installation of something called the double helix. And some of you were in those events the very seed of God being placed back into man for confirmation. And uh, I can't go into all of that. It's take forever. We'll be, here, we'll be here for five to 10 days. But it's probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. The Lord lay out, lay out 10 Christological words with 10 anthropological words, 10 words he extracts out of uh, all starting with a fire, with a P, and, and extracts them out and shows the seed of God that he created for men. It's profound, profound. And so up into number seven, this last one, consummation, and that's the series that we've been in, and that's what leads me up to today. <laughs> 
Now you have a context, I mean, a really fast one. But now a context for today. Consummation, listen to these words. What of the visible world? This is Meredith Klein's um, writing. Here too, the consummation would bring change and newness. When the distinction between the invisible and the visible space disappears and man's perception of the world included in the glory dimension, the cosmos as an integral unified whole will take on a new face for him. For glorified man, earth would become heavenized. All would be aglow with glory. More broadly stated, man's glorification would mean the perfecting of his dominion over all the works of God's hands. He would enjoy capabilities that were displayed only in the resurrection appearances of Christ, the Lord. Now heaven, the dwelling place of God, this newness would consist not so much in a change of heaven itself as in a difference in man's experiencing heaven. By virtue of glorification or the metamorphosis, when Melinda's talking about butterflies being in the, in the nets, I mean, my mind is in chrysalis uh, when she's talking about that. My understanding is caterpillars becoming butterflies. My, my understanding is she's describing a metamorphosis. Metamorphosis meaning a complete change from one identity to another one. A caterpillar and a butterfly don't look exactly the same. They don't even operate the same way, right? It's a DNA structural complete change. And so when God made us and, um, and wants to come in and consummate with us, he wants to begin to um, take and metamorphosize you that Paul spoke of it. Why? To bring about in preparation for our human self to put on and prepare for glorification. Why? So that the invisible, invisible register of the heavens and the natural register of the heavens would be unveiled to us and we would begin to behold a structure that is all around us that we can actually operate with and see. Now, I shared this with you at X2M 112. I was standing up there. I feel the Lord like come into my own being. Melinda, after the service, she said, I saw the father, Papa Father snap himself into your mind. After, after I said, yes, I know for a fact, because all of a sudden, um, in my eyes, I'm looking out, the whole room disappears, and it's, um, it's like, like someone's turning on a TV, and the whole room is, and the whole room goes blue. I saw little rock outcroppings and things like that, and I said, oh, what is that? And the Lord said, you're seeing heaven on earth because I will come in to my people by light and I will begin to transfigure your nature. Your, what the, your scientists call the junk DNA is not a junk DNA, the, the dark matter, so to speak. And I will come in, I'll put light where it has been dark and I will open up your, uh, your ability, your perceptibility to see that heaven is here right now. Now, I want to consummate my life into you. 
You know, yeah, yes, I invited you uh, years ago. Yes, I initiated you. Yes, I've taken you through. I designated you. Yes, uh, you've been through probation. Yes, I brought about a confirmation in your life. But it, my desire is that my longing, the, the Father's longing is that I could be consumed uh, in you. That you would be consumed in me. That me and you would be one. Uh, Paul's talking about the great mystery of Christ in us, the great consummation. Hey, let me declare that consummation is upon us. That's the thing that his enemy is contesting, that man would be mankind who has been broken and fallen and devastated by the fall, that Christ, the Lord Jesus, had paid for his full entire nature to dwell in us richly, uh, to take over. That he, God in the third temple setting would have a place to dwell. The rest inside of man and once and for all it'd be over. And that you and I metamorphosized glorified beings would govern the earth rightly. Not with an Adamic nature, but with a second Adam nature. God's heart, is, God's heart is consumed for this. The Lord sent his own son for this. This is the great victory of the son right now and the blood that he purchased. That uh, Yes, it seems like, and you, I know I got you all quiet in the six processes to get to some, you know, <laughs> the seventh day, you know. All this process, I laid it out with the seven days of creation. I've run this thing through so many grids. I've been invited, I've been initiated, I've been, you know, I've been designated, I've been conferred upon, I've been confirmed to be what? Consumed. Consumed by one. Consumed by the one. The one who could give his full entire divine nature to us. So I'm not forlorn anymore like, uh, you know, we're not forlorn going throughout the earth trying to figure out what's going on. Blind as a bat, hurt, hurt, deeply hurt without right perspective. All this woundedness around us, the woundedness that we face it, we would be fully, fully, uh, fully, our humanity would be fully, completely integrated with God. So much so that we'll have to put on a different body. And there is a generation that will not see death. I read, you know, I read it. I was like, oh my word, it's so good. He'll be able to apprehend the wondrous realities of the glory dimension. It was previously beyond uh, human kin, he says. And as a result of this ultimate unveiling, heaven would no longer be invisible space. The distinction between the invisible upper register of the cosmos and a lower visible register would cease. In that sense, that is relative to man's experience of it. Heaven as spatial cosmological reality would be changed. We would enter into a new, listen to this, consummate stage, a stage of unveiled glory. The two register character of biblical cosmology, the upper register, the lower register, relative to man's pre-glorification status, 
It belongs to the first stage of this movement that is happening right now. This is the movement that's right here, right now. And leading up to this final stage of consummation, he writes, the stage of which I'm describing today. This consummation, he writes, is acts of God, meaning that the Lord will have to do it. Um, you know, I can't dwell in a temple what? You can't do this out of your own design. You don't have the ability to. That God would have to come in and do this for us. And so, I, I like this. And clearly he was the one who by unleashing from his arsenal the mountains surrounding waters prevails over the ungodly world, obliterating the Antichrist power who had challenged him. Why does this matter? <laughs> God's ultimate design for redemptive history. I mean, what I'm sharing with you today is the ultimate, is the consummation and the bestowal of his eschatological kingdom. It's his design. Right, Tom? I mean, Tom, he said, we can ask him. He said, well, he come, we can ask the Lord. Uh, we can ask the Lord, right? You have a word? Okay. All right. Uh, and this has to do with uh, what is happening. As, you're, uh, as, as Carol is talking about uh, what is to be, that we know when, at the coming of the Lord that there will, the judgment seat will happen, that the, uh, the beast and the false prophet will be thrown into the lake of fire, that the uh, Satan will be cast into the abyss, and the earth, the throne of God, will be on the earth and we will be glorified. We will get new bodies. There will be a glorification. And we will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years on the earth. And at the judgment seat of Christ, those who are found faithful will take one city, five cities, ten cities, whatever faithfulness that we grow in. And actually, I would say that some will miss the kingdom, the thousand-year reign, when the fullness of heaven is on the earth. We pray now in part that it would be on earth as it is in heaven, meaning when the glory of God comes even in this place, ah, heaven is on earth right here. Hmm. And we see it sporadically now. We see prophetic words coming, ah, where heaven is on the earth, meaning what God is speaking to is being shown in the earth. But during the thousand-year reign, we will rule them. It will be heaven on earth. Will be uh, that is the kingdom of heaven. So we are moving to that point, and that will happen when Christ comes back. Boom! The enemies will be destroyed, judgment will come, and heaven will be on earth. The Lord has shown me that uh, uh, about the prodigal son, that the prodigal son asked for his inheritance. And the father gave it to him, gave him the inheritance. And we know the story that the, the prodigal took the inheritance and, and squandered it and, and, and came back to the father. And that's part of the story. But what I want to talk about is that he asked him for the inheritance. The older brother was, was, was concerned. What are you, you gave him the inheritance, he squandered it, and then you come back and having a big banquet for him. But the father said, 
I'm, I'm rejoicing my son. I'm back. Listen, all I have is yours. You could ask me for your inheritance, and I would give it to you. And I believe what the Lord is saying is ask me for your inheritance. Ask me to, to have, be filled with the Spirit. Ask me for a glorified body, not to just squander it on worldly stuff, but that we would begin to rule and reign with Christ right now. Yes. And the principle within the Scriptures is always that there can be a first fruits that we can pull what is our inheritance, what is rightfully ours. This earth is our inheritance. It's like Israel having authority to go into the land that the Lord said is yours. This is our land. It may be deeded to other people, but this is our inheritance. This is what we're going to rule and reign over. But in order to take the nations, we are going to have to have the mind of Christ, the strategy of Christ, the resources that the Lord has given us to do that kind of work. It is a powerful work that is way beyond our own ability. So in order to, to do that, we need the resources, and we need, we need a glorified body. We need the mind of Christ so that we have the word of the Lord. There's going to be times when 175,000 will die in one day because the Lord so wills it. And that's the rulership and reigning on the earth. There is times when there will be multiplication of food when there is no food and there's famine. And that will be the word of the Lord. And we will need to move in that kind of way. But there is this pulling forth of this, in, of this inheritance that we must, we must ask. We must have this desire in the same way, you know, we're going to be with Christ for, we'll be together with him for some. It would, yeah, that's, that, that'll be neat. What, neat? That is it. That is the essence of all that we're living. There is nothing better than that. That is our inheritance. So we want that in the same way that do we, do we just, how, how do we pursue our wives, men? You know, they just walk by and you just, no, you, you went after it. You went and, and, beheld it when and it was our desire so our desire is that the that the kingdom of heaven is on the earth and that his glory and, and, and his glory would come and this is part of the story so i i'm just getting a sense that the lord is saying ask me what do you want why do you want it i want to be filled with this love i want that love when I want that net, man, you just put that net right over me of love. And, I, I did, you know, I want to be humming in the, in, the, in the pure love of God. That's, that's what I want. And then what everything I say and speak will be drawing men to, unto Christ. Exactly. Exactly. And um, so anyway, I'm, uh, I just feel like the Lord is saying, ask me for this inheritance. And then the kingdom... That then, sure. then there'll be the, when we are glorified like that, we won't die. We'll just go right into the kingdom. Mm. And this is the end game. And that's, we're going to need him to do that. Mm. It won't be on our own strength, our own strategies, our own programs. 
It will be because the glory of God is leading us and guiding us, and we're hearing the word, and we're doing it, and we're yes. taking nations for his glory. Amen. Man, thank Amen. you, Tom. <laughs> I need to, I believe I need to, to finish this, this because it's so, as I asked the Lord, I was like, do I do this now? I'm gonna give just a story from this last week and then we'll close because it's so prophetically layered and, and I think it matters and I think it matters that I say it. I was, I was going, to bed, uh, going to bed the other night and I hear this word from the Lord and he says to me, Starcaster. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, oh. I'm like, we're in a series we've been in called Star Child. And that's the name of this, the, the basically overarching theme since we started Zachariah. And he says to me, Starcaster. And I'm thinking, what are you, what are you? So I, I go on the internet, I'm like, Starcaster, cast. And uh, it takes me right to Revelation 12. And so uh, the next day, I'm, uh, I think it was uh, Jeff Manning, he had sent me something. He says, uh, I'm eating my Epic bar. And he says, I think I'm going to have two uh, Epic bars. And, um, and so it, it hits me all, all of a sudden that what Jeff is describing to me is, is that it takes me immediately into a year that Stephen and I had spent in C.S. Lewis's work, The Preface to Paradise Lost. And I don't know if you've read The Preface to Paradise Lost, but maybe you've uh, I've heard my dad quote, Paradise Lost by John Milton since my childhood and Paradise Regained. I just, stay with me. <laughs> and in The Preface to Paradise Lost by C.S. Lewis, he gets into epic poetry, brilliant, brilliant, brilliance on epic poetry. You know, there's different types of poetry and he's showing how Milton had to find a structure to place or a form to place his matter, which was paradise lost or paradise regained into a poet, poetic form that it could hold it. And epic poetry was the only way to hold the depth of the paradise lost. It was an epic. And what Lewis does in the epic is he describes how man, um, through using Odysseus's, you know, out of Homer and the Aeneid, but how man have been designed by, have been designed for primary epic and secondary epic. And earlier when I was describing the 17 stages of Joseph Campbell that there was a primary epic related to man that would lead to, in this case today, a consummation. But there was a secondary epic. And I remember when Stephen and I was going through, we're sitting there really blown away by Lewis, blown away by the preface to Paradise Lost. 
And I think the Lord's like, yes, the consummation that's upon us is epic, but the regaining of the paradise, well, that's forthcoming. That's secondary epic. So when Jeff had wrote me, this is how I interpret it. I'm already eating my second epic bar. Dear venison, <laughs> you know, I'm like, C.S. Lewis, preface Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost, Paradise Regained. All my raising from my daddy. Quoting it. And so I'm, I'm, I get out the book and I have a PDF file and I welcome you to read it. And I'll send it to you. And I get down into, um, I got, I have to share this. The Lord's like, you have to share this. I get into chapter four, the technique of primary epic. And I'm reading down into, uh, into it. And this thing, lo, I am Poseidon, shaker of earth. Out of the Odyssey, chapter 11, lines 242 through 252. It pops off the page in front of me. Lo, I am Poseidon. And the Lord speaks to me, he says, do you see it? And he does that, I'm like, no. Do you see heaven? I'm like, Poseidon, lo, I am Poseidon. He's like, do you see it? I was like, oh, wait a minute, Poseidon, he's God of the sea. And he carries what? A trident. And the Lord's like, why have you been watching and listening to Navy SEAL stuff all last week? I was like, I don't know. I respect the Navy SEALs. I like what they do. I've always respected special forces, you know, because in the Navy SEAL, when you graduate BUDS, basic underwater demolition school and some other schools they have, they give you something they call the Budweiser, but it's a, I believe it's an eagle with a trident in his uh, claws. And there's some more symbolism to it. But it's a really big deal. You know, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when they graduate, they, they receive this, you know, top elite special forces. I'm listening to these guys. And the Lord said, you see the connection? I said, Poseidon, Navy SEALs. And I just passed a magazine rack and on it is uh, Jason Momoa. And he said, do you see it? And I said, oh, that's the guy who played what? Aquaman, who goes down in the bottom of the sea and gets a trident in the movie. I said, oh, I said, I'm tracking you, Lord. I'm tracking you. He's like, right. And Job 38, eight, do you see it? That I'm the one who holds the sea. I just want to show you how he deals with me, talks to me and how he paints a prophetic picture of heaven around me. He said, uh, you know, your eyes are open when you're in humility. And I'm like, oh, I see. He said, right. You see the sea of Job 38, eight. I'm the one who holds back the sea and I caused it to burst forth. And I'm like, Okay, I'm digging the Lord. Now I'm tracking you. I'm tracking the Lord. He's speaking to me. And I'm, you know, I'm in an encounter. An encounter for today. And so I go in online. I'm like, Poseidon in the Bible. And this, this comes up. Listen to this. This guy writes this. He says, in Ezekiel 28, 2, in it, God commands the prophet Ezekiel to declare to the prince of Tyre, in the pride of your heart, you say, I am a God. I sit on a throne of a God in the heart of the seas. But you're a mere mortal and not a God. 
though you think you're as wise as God. It occurred to me that this guy was writing this, a God in the heart of the seas sounds a lot like Poseidon. So I looked further afield and beyond the Bible, and it turns out that Agenor, the Phoenician king of Tyre in Greek legend, was said to be a son of Poseidon. It was not uncommon for the writers of the Bible to avoid naming gods other than God directly and instead relying on an illusion. I am now fairly confident it is Poseidon that the Bible was alluding to here. You know Ezekiel 28? You know it, don't you? Who's it about? Lucifer. Lucifer being cast down. And uh, it's a phenomenal thing. I invite you to read into Ezekiel 28, but it's about utilizing the king of Tyre imagery. It's about Lucifer being cast out. Uh, out of the third heaven. And some scholars have got that mixed up with Adam. And some will say, no, it's about Adam. But most hold that is, I mean, it's obviously uh, Lucifer. Now, let me tie this together for you. Yeah. I mean, who was it in the garden? <laughs> Why did was paradise lost? That rascal, man. That rascal that needs to be evicted. That rascal that's being evicted today. That had lied to man to mankind, the progenitor, the procreator of mankind, and deceived them. And paradise was lost. And I'm here to tell you because of the Lord Jesus Christ's work today, the paradise is being regained. That's the whole function of X2M136. <laughs> That's what I wanted to arrive at. And then I understood all of a sudden why he called him, why the Lord said to me, Starcaster, the night before. It says, what are you, old star? But you will be cast down. Not because of something we can do, but because of the consummation. The consummation of God in you. The consummation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. We were up here worshiping at the very beginning. The Lord said, um, the exile's ending. And I just, the tears started to flow. I said, could it be, could it be, could it be? It is. The restoration is among us, is upon us. Let's stand together. The primary epic. <laughs> The whole purpose of primary epic was to put you, put you fully consumed with him, right? For what? A secondary epic that paradise would be regained. Now's that time. Ask of me. I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. Now's the time. 
Now's the time that we've been hoping for. Now's the time that we've been believing for. Now's the time that that stars cast out for good and cast out of the uh, position that we have in Christ. Well, you could say, lo, I am Poseidon. (laughs) But I'll say this back to him. He says to us, lo, I am with you. (laughs) Even until the ends of the earth. (laughs) Well, lo, you're Poseidon. Well, you think you're some kind of big shot, don't you? Lo, he's with me. Lo, I am with you. You see, lo, I am with you, even to the ends of the earth. I worship you, Lord. And I worship you for so many inheritance in this room. all things I have are yours, says the Lord. Everything I have is yours. Taste and eat. (laughs) Come and taste and eat from the tree of life. That ancient deceiver is being cast out. I don't know, Carol, I don't know if that's true, you know, about my life. I'm gonna tell you something from the Lord. By one sacrifice, the Lord has already perfected those who are sanctified. So then it is true. He's perfected you forever. I don't have to turn back to another uh, mindset anymore. I can turn to the one who's already purchased me uh, from the foundation of the earth that's purchased you. I can just turn to him. I don't have to turn to that old testimony anymore or that thought of, I, I must do more to get approval. I must give more to get approval. No, he's already satisfied it all at the cross. And I can live like that is my reality. I can live like that is. For lo, I am with you. For lo, now I'm with you. I can live like the consummation is now. Uh, They call it (laughs) amillennialism. Consummation is on us now. Let's come up for a communion. I know this service has went along, but we had to do this this way. And uh, we'll partake to, uh, together as a family. It's been crazy so life through. And I just want to be more like you. Till all of you becomes all.
I am consumed. Say it. I am consumed. I am is consumed with me. Now. Listen, listen to this. In Ezekiel 28, he says, I am a God. What is the problem with that? He's setting the condition on himself. And God never made us to set the condition on ourselves. All of our problems with consummation have been related to that. We've set the condition either on ourself or on someone else's self. That's called a consciousness of sin that Jesus has paid for at the cross. The condition is not on you. I am a God. That's what, he, that's what Lucifer said. The condition is not on you. The condition is on the Lord. Lo, I am with you even until the end of the earth, even to the end of the age. I am, God set the condition on his son. He never set the condition on you. That's where Lucifer made his fatal mistake. That's what it said in the C.S. Lewis. Lo, I am Poseidon. God never made us for that. He never made you to set the condition back on yourself. I did, I can. I should, no, stop. They should, they could, they could. Why didn't they? Stop it. He's already paid for everything. It's already done. Connect to him like that and watch the kingdom of heaven open to your eyes. Watch the consummate reality of paradise regained begin to operate all around you. Why? Because of him. Um, Joseph said that when he came out of the uh, out of his out of his pain, he said, "But God." That's the first words out of that man's mouth. No more prophetic. I'm um, a strong prophetic gift. 
I got a dream interpretation like the best of them. No, he says, but God, he didn't, when Joseph learned not to set the condition on himself, that's where God is. Hello, I'm with you. Connect to him like that and watch heaven's eyes open inside of you. Connect to the one right now. You, I've learned this from him. I can connect to the one who's in me. I can just make a connection and believe this testimony that has been declared and has already been purchased at Calvary. All I need to do is connect. I'm not enforce my connection on you. I want you to connect to the one. Connect to me who is in you right now. They said I should. I thought I could. Stop it. That's what Moses said. He said, who am I? And what did he say? I am ascending thee. (laughs) Your whole identity when God made you was for him to be your full identity. As wild as that may sound or seem, that is the truth. It's not on me. It's not on you. It's the one in you. The one who's paid for everything. Now we're going to live like we believe him. He took the bread and he broke it. He said... This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the blood and he said, the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I found out this week uh, from a video that uh, Mike Bickley done with another man. They're explaining this, which I'm going to do right now, but they're explaining that these two shins come together. And Jeff had said, maybe you should explain this, Carol Sunday. I said, okay, I'll explain it. But that this is the symbol in the Hebrew of the shin. Uh, It's like a picture of fire. And in Numbers chapter six, at the end of it, the Kohan priest would give a blessing over God's people by utilizing this. But interestingly enough, and I didn't know this, They said that when Judah or the tribe of Judah, I believe if I heard him right, uh, comes back from the dead, he would take these two shins and put them together and he would put this over the people of God. And something that he said that, that happens is he's claiming or putting the mark of God on their foreheads. And when, um, when we were designing the collider, uh, icon or symbol and, uh, Nathan was working on this with me. And the symbol of Zechariah that we worked on that turned into an M. But it was this symbol this in the middle of these two shins put together right here. And I remember I was walking before the Lord and I said, I found a light speed vehicle. 
It looks like a light speed vehicle. It's got like Agava Delta wing, you know, and I, and the words like, you found what the soul looks like. Yeah, I made it like this. I made every soul like a picture like this. And yes, you will go light speed. <laughs> and so when I do this every week and I take my hand out like this, it's a proclaiming of the Lord over you. Uh, I know Ann Nolan told me, she said, I love this every week. This is like one of my favorite parts, Carol. It's like gold, she said to me. May the Lord bless you. Feel him like I do. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord, may, may he keep you. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord's not going to let your feet slip. May his face be imprinted into yours. Not just his hinder parts, but his inner parts be in you. May peace be on you. May you have the order of Melchizedek. May you have the order of the priest king on you. May he put his name on you. Bless you today. Amen.
my lamp is shining bright with oil to last the night.